Hello, my darlings. Welcome to a new episode of the Marie Geneviève Show. I hope you are doing good. If you're new here, my name is Marie Geneviève. I am obviously the host of this podcast. On the Marie Geneviève Show, I talk about what is going on in the LGBTQ community. Today's episode will be separated into three parts. In the first part, I will do a quick recap of what happened last week. I will also discuss what is coming up in the next few days. In the second part, I want to talk about a book that came out last week. The title is The Prophets, and it is by Robert Jones Jr. In the third part, I will talk about the docuseries Pretend It's a City. All right, let's begin with what happened this week in our community. Several things attracted my attention. I will only mention a few of them today. However, you can go on my blog to see more. Every night, I write a blog post highlighting some of the news that I see online throughout the day, and I try to keep it as positive as possible. So the first news that I want to mention today is the creation of the first ever queer studies chair at an HBCU. If you don't know, HBCU stands for historically black college or university. Spelman College in Atlanta has been raising money to create this chair and they announced this week that they have reached their goal. They raised two million dollars. Part of it comes from a donator named John Stryker. John Stryker is the president and founder of the Arcus Foundation. The chair will be named in honor of American poet and civil rights activist Audrey Lord. In the 90s, Lord donated her papers to the school's Women Research and Resource Center. She also spoke on campus several times. In the news release, Spelman College explained that the selection process for the chair will be determined by a faculty committee, including comparative women's study faculty. Advisory group members include two queer studies pioneer scholars who will continue to work with the Spelman team during the implementation process. I personally think it is a fantastic news. The second news that I want to talk about today is GLAD's annual Where We Are on TV report. It came out this week. If you don't know what GLAD is, it is an American organization that advocates for a better representation of the LGBTQ plus community in the media and in the entertainment industry. As their motto says, it is to promote understanding, increase acceptance, and advance equality. The report itself measures LGBTQ plus representation on cable networks and streaming services. It is actually the 25th edition of the report. The reason why it is important to measure LGBTQ plus representation on TV is quite simple. It is in people's houses. It reaches them directly. And I think a year like 2020 is very important to look at because people were definitely more at home and probably consumed more television than usual. This year's report shows a 1.1 decrease in the amount of LGBTQ plus characters in scripted television. Representation of people living with HIV dropped significantly. Also, most LGBTQ plus characters are found in series tied to only four creatives. So we have Shonda Rhimes, Greg Berlanti, Lena Waite, and Ryan Murphy. However, on the positive side, because there's always positive points, about half of LGBTQ plus characters were people of color for the first time in 25 years. Bisexual characters have also increased. 
there has been some progress for underrepresented voices in the communities in series like Pose and Twenties. These series not only showed more representation, but also employed LGBTQ plus writers, directors, and producers. These are just a few points from the report. You can, of course, find it on CLAD's website. It has 46 pages and it is quite detailed. They explain their methodology in it and then it is separated into various uh, precise subsections. The last news that I want to talk about come from France. I am talking here about the Collective Archive LGBTQI. Um, it is a group of 20 French LGBTQ plus organization and more than 100 scholars and community members. The collective is currently going head to head with the French government for a very simple reason. Right now, there is no LGBTQ plus history archive or center in Paris, which is surprising considering the rich LGBTQ plus heritage of the city. There have been discussion about the creation of an archive since 2017. The French Ministry of Culture Commission actually approved of the collective's idea of creating one. However, it would be part of the French National Archives. And the collective doesn't want the archives to be part of the National Archives because its members do not agree with how the French government deals with cultural institutions. Actually, it wouldn't be the first archive and center to be independent. Other communities already have that. And so the collective published a rebuttal this week in the French newspaper Libération. They are also supported by 45 LGBTQ plus historical archives and museums from 22 countries. I'll be um, closely monitoring this news because it is something that interests me. I don't recall who said that and I couldn't find it either online when I looked it up. But someone said uh, once that archives are an important act of resistance. If you know who said that, please let me know. And in one of the articles that I've read this week, someone mentioned how governments have worked really hard to erase the LGBTQ plus community. I have to add that they did so for several communities as well. And so I do support an independent archive. I think that any marginalized community should have control over their own archives and their own artifacts. And so I will try to keep you up to date with that. So these are the news that I wanted to mention this week. Please let me know what news attracted your attention this week. Um, and I'm also looking forward to several things this week. There are several LGBTQ plus inclusive TV show coming back on air this week. I'm talking 911, 911 Lone Star, Riverdale, All American, Nancy Drew, Charm, just to name a few. There will be also a special episode of Euphoria. The miniseries It's a Sin will be premiering on January 22nd. I am thinking about talking about this on the next podcast episode. And movies that are coming out this week include Breakfast Fast and Chaos Walking. Also, on the 21st, there is this event presented by New Fest. It is called All in the Queer Family. It is a conversation between Rachel Mason, the director of Circus of Books, and Joey Soloway, the creator of Transparent. They will be talking about LGBTQ plus families, uh, Jewish identity, and the art of telling your own story on screen. I will probably talk about this also on the next podcast episode. Now let's move on to our second topic. For the first part, for the second part of the podcast, I want to talk about the book, The Prophets by Robert Jones Jr. 
Robert Jones Jr. is a writer from New York. He wrote for several publications such as the New York Times, the Paris Review, OK Africa, etc. He also created the social justice social media community, Son of Baldwin. The Prophet is his debut novel. It came out on January 5th and became a New York Times bestseller this week. Congratulations. That's awesome. It is the story of two enslaved young men, Isaiah and Samuel, who are in love. One day, Paul, the owner, decides to make the enslaved people on the plantation have sex so that he can get more enslaved workers. Isaiah is matched with a woman, Essie, and it doesn't work. Paul gets angry and rapes Hesse. She gives birth to a child following that event. She is close to Amos. Amos. I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce that name in English. And I tried to look it up and I couldn't find how to pronounce that. Who wants to build a life with her? One day Amos has the idea to become close to Paul so that he can protect Hesse in the future. The way he finds to do so is by learning the Christian Gospels and preaching it to the enslaved men and women on the plantation. However, the results of all this preaching is that the community turns against Samuel and Isaiah. To be honest, I wanted to talk about this book today because I devoured it. Uh, lately, I've been all over the place and I've been starting to read books and I just stopped because I can't concentrate. But this book kept me hooked. I think it is brilliantly written. The book shows love in the middle of the horrors of slavery, and I think it was very well done. The author describes both extremes very well. You can feel the violence, but you can also feel the love and the clash between the two. One of the things that I like about this book was that the love story was between two black men. I think it is a kind of relationship that needs more representation. Um, there was a thread the other day on Twitter and it was about how when you see a queer black man in love on TV or on a... Um, or in the movie, his partner is oftentimes white. And I do agree that it happens very often. So I did appreciate that. Jones actually said that he wrote the book because he wanted to see more of that. And I will also go further by saying that, that I like the fact that the story focused on two enslaved men. Um, what I mean by that is that it isn't a love between a white woman and an enslaved man or a love story between a white man and an enslaved woman. And I think it helped in showing the readers the horrors of, of slavery and deepened the gap between violence and love in the story. Actually, I really love the writing voice of the author. Some say that his writing reminds them of Toni Morrison, and I have to agree with them. It somehow reminded me also of James Baldwin, whom I read in college. It is a lyrical way of writing with rich description and a lot of images. The emotions are described in a very detailed and colorful manner. Even the intimate moments weren't overly sexual, like I've seen in many LGBTQ plus books, but really focused on the emotion. And I really enjoy that kind of writing. I definitely recommend this book, especially if you are in that kind of writing. And I'm looking forward to read his future works. Let me know if you read it, what did you think about it? And if you didn't read it yet, do you intend to? 
Now on to the last part of this podcast. I will talk now about the docuseries Pretend It's a City. Pretend It's a City is a documentary directed by Martin Scorsese that premiered on Netflix on January 8th. It is about the American writer Fran Lebowitz. It is actually their second collaboration together. They worked together on Scorsese's Public Speaking, which aired on HBO in 2010. To be honest, I wasn't familiar with Fran Lebowitz when I heard about this documentary, probably because I'm not from the United States, so I was very curious to see who she is. I went online and watched a few YouTube videos. I then decided to watch the documentary. The documentary has seven episodes of about 30 minutes each. Each episode has a specific theme. It is just about anything from the city of New York to books. The documentary contains footage of a sit-down interview they filmed at Manhattan's exclusive Players Club. They also filmed at the Queens Museum's Panorama. It contains footage of New York back in the days and of different interviews she did in the past. What I like about the documentary is how it showed her authenticity. What she says is what she thinks. Um, I didn't agree with everything she said, obviously, but I really appreciated the fact that her opinion was oftentimes thought-provoking. You can tell that she's very well informed on a bunch of topics, and she doesn't care if you agree or not. And very often throughout the documentary, she made me laugh a lot. I particularly love the part in the seventh episode where she describes her love of books. This is exactly how I feel about books myself. If you're watching the video version of this podcast, you'll notice that I have piles of books so I can relate to what she was saying. I also loved the sit-down interviews. It felt very intimate, almost as if we were eavesdropping on a personal conversation. I enjoy the fact that you could hear Martin Scorsese laugh in the background, and I'm very happy that they didn't cut it. Uh, the fact that they left it in the documentary added to the effect of intimacy. However, um, I have to say that this documentary is for a very specific audience. I am a nerd. I love things like that. I am fascinated with how people think. So that kind of documentary is great for me. It is also a fun walk through time as you get to see historical footage and all. But if you're not into that kind of work, I don't really think that documentary is for you. It's basically three hours and a half of her talking. So let me know if you watched it and what you thought about it. So this is it for me today. Thank you for listening to the Marie Genevieve show. Please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. You can follow the Marie Genevieve show on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. In the meantime, I wish you a very good week. I will talk to you next Monday. Bye!